it's our first week back so naturally I think some people might be still fasting and this and that naturally inshallah so hopefully in the next coming weeks um, as brothers will regain back their excitement of, of coming for tafsir main thing is that everyone is here because they are because they are invited and so we should ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow us to continue to be invited and repent from any such thing that makes an, uh, becomes an obstacle for us you know subhanallah <laughs> for example one person I've been trying to get him to come for years years every single week something or another something or another. so I messaged him twice today messaged him last night spoke to him in person last night and I, then I to- messaged him right before Maghrib I said you, you should be in the front and he, sh- he said oh someone got sick in my family so I'm now at- I have to go to the hospital obstacles come he didn't do that but obstacles keep on coming and so reality is a person should understand that you know we have to these are imtihanat from Allah Azza wa Jal who said coming to the masjid is easy who said coming for Fajr is easy who said coming for uh, Isha is easy who said fasting is easy nothing is easy except if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for you so when you find it very difficult you find obstacles then we need to keep on seeking forgiveness from Allah Azza wa Jal and keep on begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ease. This is what Allah says, Those who struggle, struggle and strive to reach us, indeed we will guide them to our paths. When a person shows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he's sincere and he's struggling, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up those paths. And this is between you and Allah. Everyone knows, everyone has their own personal journey. No one knows the other man's journey. No one knows the other person's difficulty. But as long as we individually are sincere and working towards reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah azza wa will, will hopefully pave those paths for us. And if they don't uh, get paved immediately, then at least we know that we will get the ajar. You know, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam went all the way to Makkah al-Makarramah only to not be allowed to enter for Umrah. And he had to go back. What a painful journey back home. Uh, but then he was allowed to come and make the qada of it the following year. He tried everything he could. He tried everything he could, but he was not allowed to enter. So he went back. So we may all have, we may all have setbacks in our life, but we need to reflect on our setbacks. And we need to ask ourselves, am I having similar setbacks in the dunya, or is it only setbacks in the deen? If we had setbacks in the dunya, would we just sit back and say, oh, it is what it is. You know, every single week I fail my exams. Every single week my store doesn't give me any returns. Every single week I just uh, sell stuff to be able to pay the rent. But um, I'm not making any profit. Would you sit or would you make a change? Uh, would you sit or do you just make a change in assessment that said, this doesn't add up. How is it every single week I am failing? Every single week I am Faltering every single week, I am losing. This doesn't make sense. I gotta make some change. How many brothers they fail, sisters fail their board exams, their MCAT, their law LSAT, etc. And then they don't just continue doing that for the next six years. They start thinking. Eventually, they figure out, okay, this is not for me, man. I'm I'm already 24, 25. I need to move on to something else. If it's not meant for me, gotta move on. So in the matters of Dean, also, if we can, if we're just spinning wheels, we're not moving forward. We have to ask ourselves. Can't just say, oh, Alhamdulillah, you know, I tried. Okay, wait, they, I've got to change. I've got to come up with a different game plan. I cannot keep on saying I've tried and it's failing. We have to, if, if week after week we're not able to come for Salatul salat Jama'ah, or week after week we're not able to open up the Mus'haf, which has only been now only three, four days since Ramadan left. If we're already going back to our old ways, immediately we, we take hold of ourselves and we say, no, I have to, I must, I must make a change in my lifestyle. Otherwise, very soon, uh, the day of my ending will come and it will be too late. So these are certain reflections we should have as we enter 
Surah Al-Mu'minun, um, uh, 75, 74 ayat, where we speak, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses these, uh, these specific things about difficulties that come towards a person. Just to remind you, we had a really amazing discussion. If you didn't get a chance to listen to uh, the, the last tafsir session before Ramadan, I would encourage you to do so. And this is where this ayah right here, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, If the truth were to follow their whims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how Islam and Allah and the deen and the sharia and the Prophet cannot be following the desires and the whims of people. If that were to happen, then there would be absolute chaos in the heavens and the earth. Right? So, so we cannot expect the deen to follow our whims and desires. Because right now there's a constant push to change everything. Everything is about comfort, comfort, comfort. What's easy for us? Recently someone mentioned, uh, I need to speak to you about interest payments uh, in a business. I want to come up with a contract that's halal. I said, okay, you know, we, we'll meet. He said, my business partners think it's haram. Interest is haram, that's why I have to meet with you. Otherwise, I think it's a different era. Everything should be permissible anyway. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. This was his thing. He said, it's a different era. It's a different era, so interest should be permissible. So that's about following the desire Because that's what I think It would be easier It's too hard for me to make things halal Another person says You know uh, We have to make things easy for us What is that? How can it be possible That it's 12 o'clock at night And we still don't know If we have to pray tarawih tonight Or is eat tomorrow That's very discomforting So You know what? That's just not right This is literally All this discussion on moon sighting It just literally comes down to this thing It's not about what's right What's wrong if you look at all these discussions on social media, WhatsApp, it literally comes down to, brother, this is 2023. We have smartphone. We have artificial intelligence. We should know by, we should know months in advance when are we supposed to book the holiday, when are we supposed to book the hotel, when are we supposed to book the wedding place, when are we supposed to book uh, uh, the 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 Eid party hall. How can you expect us to find out the night, you know, a couple hours at night that oh, tomorrow tomorrow's Eid, or a couple hours before that we need find out that tomorrow tonight uh, we have to fast. It literally, if you look at all these discussions, it boils down to, which pretty much everyone, mashallah, is now voicing their opinion on these topics. It comes down to one thing. What is it? Ease. What's ease? Any article. Right now, I just saw, right before I came up here, I saw an article that was printed in the Tribune. And they took a picture from, the, from this masjid here. And that's what it says. Muslims continue to still struggle. Huh? What is it called? Muslims in Chicago area face recurring Eid struggle. Scheduling time off without knowing when to celebrate a holiday is a dilemma. Right? This is, mashallah, the essence of Eid and Ramadan has come down to this. So I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if, you're just, if it's all about the desires, then yeah, tough, you know, suck it up and enjoy your misery. Because that's what you're getting out of that, is that you made yourself miserable. Who said, subhanAllah, this is, this is the deen is based on... First of all, I was speaking to first year students today, and I said, people say, Literally, I hear this type of things. We don't get halal, you know, we eat anywhere. Why? Because you don't get hand-slaughtered halal meat and pizza, so we eat anything. But where did it say that one of the commandments from the Ten Commandments is you must eat fried chicken at least once a week and pepperoni pizza at least once a month? Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Why do we literally say that we are allowed to eat anything simply because meat is not available? First of all, who told you or your parents to move to a non-Muslim country in the first place? You don't have to. Go right back to a Muslim country. If it's so important for you to eat certain things, then go back to Muslim country. Or go to the good old way of taking an animal, slaughtering it from a farm and making your own things. The good old, nice, halal, absolutely halal, natural way. So what we do is we put ourselves into problems, and then we use that problem as a reason to change the deen. This is really sad. 
right? That the, the deen must change. I mustn't change. My lifestyle mustn't change. My job mustn't change. I, the deen must change to be able to accommodate me. The rules of hijab must change. The rules of engagement amongst men and women must change. The rules of what income is halal and haram must change. Why? Because we are in 2023 and I want to live a certain type of lifestyle. So this is what the Quran says. If the, if the truth were to follow the whims and desires of the people, they'd be chaos in the heavens and the earth. People, how they argue over the, if it's hot and cold here in the room. Can you turn on the fan? Can you turn off the fan? Imagine outside if Allah Azza would say, okay, you all set the temperature outside. How, what a mess it would be. Everyone, someone wants to make this tropical weather, someone wants to make it Arctic weather, someone to go left and right. It would be a mess. Even to that extent, Allah did not leave the weather and all these cycles in the hands of the people. Allah did not leave the sharia in the hands of the people. Right? So this is an ayah. I spoke about this extensively uh, you know, in my pre-Ramadan, the last session. Something to think about. Because all the discussions that we're having nowadays, if you look at about it, the, the, the mizaj is changing. Okay, we need to follow what Allah and Rasul really want us is no longer the discussion. It's about what's more? Comfortable. And then another one they'll say, brother, 90% of the Muslim Ummah is doing something. 90. 90%. 90% of the masjids are following calculations. 90 masjids, 90% of the people eat machine solder. 90% of the masjids don't have hijab in the masjid. So like these, why do we get intimidated or impressed by these numbers? Can you imagine? Still, majority of the world is non-Muslim. Majority of the world is not Muslim. Majority of the world will become atheist. Majority of, of the world will become followers of Dajjal. Should I get impressed or intimidated by this? No. It is what it is. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? He said, for every one person that will go to Jannah, 999 will be going to Jahannam. Do you know this? For every one person that goes to Jannah, 999 will be going to Jahannam. Yeah, so we should be impressed by that then. The majority is going there. So let's head over there. 999 will be going to Jahannam. And one will be going to Jannah. The Sahaba were very perplexed when they heard these numbers. And so scholars explain that this includes Ya'juj Ma'juj. Right? Massive numbers that Allah will have, will create, and they're all going to hellfire. But they will be in La Tu'addu Wa La You know, in numbers that we cannot even enumerate. So let's stop using these 90%, 100%, 95%, majority, majority things to push people in a certain direction. And social media post and WhatsApp is not a place to discuss deep fiqhi issues upon which our deen rests. This is not a place to do that. You know, some people say, did you read this article? Please, you should read this and decide on, the, on X, uh, XYZ issue. I told them, brother, WhatsApp and, and Twitter is not a place to have you know, fiqhi issues discussed. This is, you know, for layman chit-chat chit box. Right? Chatter is happening there. Academic discussions happen in, in libraries and Darul Iftas over papers and, and over, you know, booklets that are written and, and answered and back and forth in the, you know, it, you burn the midnight oil and discuss these type of things. Not in, in, in the, in, 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 this is, I guess you could say, one of the sad realities of the post-Khilafah world where everyone becomes the Qadi. When you don't have a Khalifa, when you don't have a Muslim government, you don't have a <clears throat> appointed by the Khalifa, a judge who rules on things, then everyone who's got a, uh, a handle online and a Twitter handle can become the Qadi or Qadi al-Qudha, Chief Justice. As long as you can get people to retweet yourself enough times, people will regard you as the master on, and the authority on this topic. This is the problem when you don't have uh, the Khalifa, when you don't have a Qadi. Um, unfortunately, these type of issues come about. So be prepared. Many things will be happening in the future. We have to make sure that we are with the truth 
and we follow the truth and we do not allow our, our nafs to be the arbitrator of the, of the truth. Now, moving on to ayah number 73. Allah tells Rasulullah And you do indeed call them to a straight way of salvation. Ya Rasulullah, why are these people upset at you? Why are they angry at you? Why are they not wanting to listen to you? When you are inviting them towards the straight path. So the, the path that the path of Rasulullah, which he invites all of us towards, the path of Sunnah is Siratul Mustaqim. What's a straight line? Straight line. Basically, it's the shortest way to connect between two dots. Straight line. So between here to Jannah, it's a straight line. The quickest way to get Jannah is what? Siratul Mustaqim. As long in which there is no Changes, there's no ups and downs, there's no curves and no turns in there. The Prophet said, I've left you, I'm passing away, leaving this dunya, but I left you all on a, I've left you all with a clear, clear white platform, right? Clear. It's so clear that it's night is as obvious as it's day. Black and white. What's right, what's wrong is very clear. You won't be confused. If you are wishing and wanting to follow the deen, someone who doesn't want to wish and follow, doesn't want to follow the deen, then yes, then definitely it will become uh, confusing. So this, O oh Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, what you're inviting towards is Sirat al-Mustaqim. Allah subhanahu wa taala tells Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Surah Hud, "Fastaqim kama umirt." Sirat al-Mustaqim, istaqim, same thing. Istaqim, stand firm, stand, remain steadfast. Kama umirt, the way you have been ordered to. You probably have heard that Nabi said, Surah Hud and its similar surahs have made my hair go white. And the scholars have explained then further this hadith, Fastaqim Kama Umirt is what he said, what Rasul recited, that this is the verse of Surah Hud which has taken, um, you know, is, I've taken it so heavy. It's, it was such a burden on the Prophet that it says the stress of this verse caused his hair to become white. What is the, what is the burden? Istaqim Kama Umirt, remain steadfast. Not like way you want to. Kama umirt. The way you've been ordered. Very important point. When you say, I'm trying my best, or I've tried, that doesn't count. I've tried. Right? It's about follow the deen, not based on how much you can, but kama umirt, the way you've been ordered to. That's a tall order to follow. Kama umirt, the way you've been ordered to, the way you've been asked. So, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, imagine if he's getting stressed out, where should our levels of stress be? That to what degree do I have istiqama in my, in my life? Every single day, 25 times, more than 25 times, we are reciting Surah Al-Fatiha and we're saying, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَلْضَارْلِينَ The path of those whom you have favored upon and not the path of those who have earned your wrath or who are gone astray. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's as though he is surprised It's as though he is showing his awe or shock At these people who, ter- who decide to neglect the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam And turn their backs onto the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Even though what he's inviting them Is the shortest, quickest path to paradise Like why would you do that? Why would you turn your backs to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Even though he's wishing to benefit you Flips on the opposite Instead of accepting and being excited You are plotting against the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam there's one saying uh, as, uh, that, uh, you know, that Ibn Umar was meant to told, Ya Ibn Umar, oh, Ibn Umar deenaka, deenaka, hold on to your deen, hold on to your deen. Indeed, deen is your flesh and your blood. 
Take your deen from the people who remain steadfast. And do not take from those who have decided to veer off. Don't take your deen from people who have decided to veer off. Take your deen from people who are remaining steadfast. Such an important point. Um, that deen is, ilm is all your deen. Ilm is all your deen. So make sure you take your deen from the people of sunnah, from the people of steadfastness. Things will constantly be changing. People's opinions will keep on changing. People will continue to change their colors due to, based on the circumstances. You and I have to search such people, such, such friends of Allah who don't care about the changing of tides. Right? And who stay firm and steadfast regardless of what direction the world will go into. They say, yeah, this is what istiqama is. Istiqama is you're a peg, man. You're a peg. You know, you're sitting there. You're, you're an anchor. The anchor, you, don't, you anchor, a whole ship is anchored through that. You don't go with the waves. You don't go with the currents. That's exactly what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be anchors. We're supposed to be pegs. Everyone's going that direction. And the answer is exactly. And I'm not going to do that because I'm supposed to be a peg. I'm supposed to be an anchor. I'm supposed to remain firm. That's why I'm not going to go with the rest. That's something you're supposed to be proud about. That's something you're supposed to be honored. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the foresight not to just go with the rest. We should not get tempted. We should not get motivated. We should not get you know, scared that where is everyone else is going. You know, subhanAllah, I saw one of, my, one of our brothers here shared with me a powerful statement that... Um, I was amazed that you know, one of the elders of, the, of, the, uh, of, of uh, uh, our silsila, Malan Rashid Ahmad Gangohi, rahimahumullah, one of the most senior ulama of Darul Ulum, um, he, when he was passing away, he wrote a wasiyah. He wrote a bequest, or he wrote some, a letter to his children, and uh, an advice. Subhanallah. So this is one of the wasiyah he wrote in there. I want to read it to you. And this, because this is something so amazing. We speak about this. And to see one of our elders wrote the same thing uh, 150 years ago is amazing. He says, Apni aulaad ko, apni aulaad ko school or college ki ta'aleem isse is tarah bachaye, jis tarah sheer ya bheriya se bachaya jata hai. Us mahol mein bachon ko bhejna, unko apne haathon se jahannum mein jhonkna hai. وہاں جا کر لاکھوں میں سے کسی ایک کا دین محفوظ رہ جاتا ہے تو یہ بطور خرق عادت ہوگا جو کہ محض اللہ تعالیٰ کا فضل اور کرم ہے جیسے کسی کو کسی شیر کے مو سے شیر کے مو سے بچ کر نکل آئے یا آگ سے بچ کر نکل آئے اگر اللہ تعالیٰ نے اپنے محض فضل سے بچا لے تو کیا اس کا مطلب یہ ہرگز تو نہیں ہے کہ آمدن شیر کے مو میں جائیں یا آگ میں خود کودیں دنیاوی تعلیم مضر نہیں ہے دنیاوی تعلیم مضر نہیں ہے برا حال برا ماحول محلک ہے سبحان اللہ برا ماحول کیا ہے محلک ہے so the gist of what he says he's saying that you know this 150 years ago under, you know when the British were just wrapping up the rule over India he says save your children from sending them to universities and schools just like you would save them from uh, being, uh, being sent into the lion's den and then he says that to, for, for someone to, uh, to be sent them to university and uh, college environment is like putting your children with your own hands into the hellfire. He's someone who goes there to come back protected is so challenging, so difficult from hundreds and thousands, maybe one will come out unaffected. And if they do so, come unaffected, unscathed, then this is only through Allah's grace. Just like someone were to literally go inside a fire, 
or literally go inside the lion's den, is it a chance of them come out alive? Yeah, small chance. And that would be called a miracle. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala miraculously saved them. But you would not look at one child that's saved from a lion's den and say, let me purposefully send my children into the lion's den or into the fire. Then he says, dunyawi ta'aleem, the learning the, the, the education of the, of the world and learning how to earn money and this, this is not problematic. What's problematic is the environment. The environment. How many people are going to agree with this? You know, you, maybe nine out, 9 out of 10 are going to say you're crazy. But I tell you, when I go to university, this is what, exactly what I walk away from. When I sit with university students, I see how affected they are. Well, I, 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 I come at this. Now, you might not agree. But for me, from my perspective, it's about, yeah, rather, we're going to wrap up. Any, you know how many janazah we've just had since Eid? So such, you know, people are going like this. Flies. Everywhere. Subhanallah, my day is coming up, your day is coming up. I want to make sure when you and I go into the grave, we don't have problems. We should be able to answer the three questions. You weren't able to pass the exams of the world and the boards of the world, but you should be able to pass the three questions of the grave. You pass all the board exams of this dunya, but you, if you fail those three exams, gone. So we have to make sure that our son and daughter, when they're going into education, are they prepared? Because most people do not. Not only do they send them to the university and college, they send them for how many years? 12 years. They sent them out of state. They dorm out of state. And on top of that, they never gave them any knowledge or tazkiyah to be able to even handle themselves. It's like, go figure out yourself. Throw you in the deep end of the Pacific and you should learn how to swim back, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles back to the shore. How many people are going to make it back? The thing is, when your child dies, you realize, oh my God, the child drowned. Everyone's talking about it. Today, no one speaks about it. How many children have drowned in kufr? But guess what? The mom and dad don't even realize it. That their child is no longer theirs. They've completely lost the deen, completely lost the deen on the way on trying to gain that degree. This is the, the, the idea. Now speaking on these things, is there a way to gain our education without putting yourself in that room? Yeah, you have alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah nowadays we have online classes. We have online classes, we have so many different online degrees. You can limit the time you are out of area, out of state, out of your environment of the home. Uh, and you can go ahead and do that. But someone says, I can't get a specific degree, that I want that degree and that's not available online. That's a big question. Now you have to ask yourselves. You have to keep your Ramadan nur strong and say, Ya Allah, is it worthwhile? Will I be able to protect the deen? I don't know. Neither do you know. Only Allah knows where your future is going to go. You, only Allah knows where your children's future is going to go. You have to ask yourselves, is it worth it? Am I, I going to be able to keep my children's deen uh, protected? And my dear friends, I mean the reality is this discussion is only beneficial for people who truly, 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 truly care about their deen number one. It's easier said than done. Say we are true Muslims, mashallah. We do takbirat al Eid and we, do, we celebrate Ramadan, we celebrate Eid. But then when it comes to, to balancing these two things, or rather, which one do you choose? If you have one or the other, you can't eat the cake and have the cake. You, can't eat, you cannot do both. This is the direction, this is a hadith of Rasulullah. Whoever loves his dunya will harm his akhirah. Whoever loves his hereafter will harm his dunya. Give preference to that which is everlasting over that which is going to perish. Where you have business then. That is why South Africa, for example, there's a lot of deen there. One big reason is, one of the many big reasons is because there's a lot of business there. So the people over there, at least until recently, were in business and they, did, they financially did super well, much better than our professionals. But what happened is that in order to do business and to be successful, they did not have to go through years and years of indoctrination in university. 
They didn't have to go through years and years of indoctrination through different types of educational systems. So they were free mind, free thinking, meaning they were thinking through the Islamic lens. They did not have a colonized mind. Their minds were not colonized through the educational system. So they were able to make a lot of money, but then, mashallah, use that money in the right purpose and serve the deen. And you seriously wonder when you go there that, man, this person, if an American had one-tenth of this guy's wealth, you wouldn't even see him in the parking lot for Eid. How did this person is a multi-millionaire and he prays every salah behind the imam? How? How is all his children hafad and ulama and also multi-millionaires? How? That's big reason is because their mind has not been colonized. They have a free mind. And their mind is focused on the deen. Because years and years of what you go through that type of educational system, in liberal arts degree you call it, or whatever other degree, it begins to really make you think in a certain manner. So these are facts that you and I have to acknowledge. Right? What we're up against. What your, your children, my children are up against. It's an entire jihad over the hands of the minds and the hearts. It's a whole battle over the minds and the hearts. Let's not deny that these things are not happening. And it's not just the LGBTQ, oh, right now, educational system. Oh, let's, let's vote against this and let's do that. Brother, this has been going on for years. This has been going on. Today it's the LGBTQ. What was happening before? All the skepticism, you know? What's a bigger problem? Is LGBTQ a bigger problem or is atheism a bigger problem? What about that skepticism that's been pushed down the throats of minds of our, husband, our boys and girls and even from a high school age? Years ago, I mean, I'm talking about like maybe 15 years ago, an eighth grader came to me and said, uh, he was confused about Rasulullah's marriage, Aisha Allah. And I said, man, you're an eighth grader, you're a little kid. Why are you asking me this? He said, well, I'm studying at this special, one of the top-notch Chicago magnet schools. And we have Islam, world religions class in 8th grade. And we have three weeks on Islam. And out of the three weeks, one many days is dedicated to Rasulullah's marriages. Think about it. And now this kid comes from a very good, good family, pious family. Completely gone. I heard recently he's just completely away from the deen. Because, subhanAllah, your piety of your dad doesn't help you. Your piety of grandfather is not going to help you. When you're thrown into this type of environment, every single day, for 8 hours a day, for years and years and years, what does it happen? It shakes the foundations that you have. Do we acknowledge that? That's, that's sort of the problem. We're talking about childhood children little being introduced to LGBTQ stuff, which I'm very, you know, very worried. But I want you to understand this problem didn't start yesterday or didn't start with the Democrats in power. Didn't start five years ago. This has been going on for centuries. It's been going on for years. And this is exactly why we're losing our masses. Because we send them unprepared to the educational system, starting from K, pre-K, K. And without any deen, without any deeny preparation, there's no daily cleansing. When you have COVID, you have all this. When the fear of COVID masks, continuous washing of the hands, the child comes back from four, eight to four, he's in school. Where is his washing up? If you don't bring him to the masjid, if you don't bring him to maktab in the masjid, huh? if you don't bring him to the dars, how is this going to be cleansed? When is he going to be cleansed? If he doesn't read Quran at home, he doesn't read his manzil at home, he doesn't pray salah in the masjid, doesn't attend uh, some type of class, halaqa, how is he going to be cleansed? Every single day, the germs are being, you know, uh, he's going through a, a germ factory. That's what university and school is. That's not even just university, public school, Islamic school, whatever you call it. There's so many germs. And so we have to really ask ourselves when you say, I'm a Muslim, I'm a mu'min. I'm a believer, I'm a true believer. This is the beloved friends. The times are only going to get tougher. If you think what I'm saying is very harsh for you, if you think it's very tough, I promise you what awaits us is going to be bigger imtihan, bigger test. And that's why only the ones who are genuinely raise their hand and say, Ya Allah, I'm ready. Inna salati wa nusuki wa mahiyaya wa mamati lillah rabbil alameen. My life and my death, my salah and my hajj, every breath of mine is for you. I'm ready. I'm ready to sacrifice. Unless and until you can't say that, you know what? 
call it quits. Isn't that we're, we're lying to ourselves that we're in. We want Jannah. If you want Jannah, you have to roll up your sleeves and you got to be ready to make any and all sacrifices. Everything. Whether it's, what are we doing compared to the sacrifices of our brothers and sisters in, in different Muslim, world, Muslim countries of how they're suffering right now? Whether it's Sudan, whether it's Somalia, whether it's Syria, whether it's Turkey. What type of sacrifices they're going through? We can't even imagine that. Here we are, we're being asked to make sure our children pray their daily salah, make sure they recite their daily Quran, make sure they do their daily dhikr, make sure they recite their daily ad'iyah before they leave the house. I'm not saying immediately you send your, have your kids sit from home tomorrow. But understand what, what your children are faced with is something that possibly in the past the ummah has never faced. It is a daily effort, daily, daily effort to convert our children into atheists, to convert our children into skeptical humans, to who are skeptical of all of what is the unseen. It's, it's a daily challenge. And so a person has to understand that what awaits us right now is much, much more difficult than what went behind, what passed us. And that's why the rewards are much greater. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. what is he inviting us towards? The straight path. And if that straight path, inshallah, if you and I say azam, Ya Allah, I want to stay on the straight path. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide, guide us. I, I, I mentioned in Ramadan one beautiful statement of Hazrat Mawlana Shalitani and I'll repeat it again because I think it's, it's, it's connected to our discussion over here. Uh, two things. One thing he says um, regarding dua. He says a person should make this dua every single day. Right? That, oh Allah, I want to follow 100% deen. I want to follow 100% deen. You grant me the tawfiq to follow the deen. If a person makes this effort every single day for 40 days, he says every single day for 40 days you make this dua, that Ya Allah, I want to follow the deen and you facilitate it for me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah wa ta'ala make this easy, easy for us. And a day will come, this is what he says, a day will come when we will actually be able to be following the deen. Because what you're doing, you're asking Allah for it. So let's make this commitment right now, today. That Ya Allah, all of us, let's make this dua. Ask our children to make this dua. That Ya Allah, I want to follow 100% deen. I'm very weak, I'm very sinful, I've got horrible habits. I, you know, everything is messed up about me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst of the lot out here. But I have a true desire to follow deen. And Ya Allah, if you don't make it easy for me, uh, no one will be able to help me. No one will be able to help me. And so if we make this dua every single day for 40 days, you make it easy for me to follow the deen, inshallah, Allah says, I promise you, you will see, Allah will automatically start facilitating for you to follow the deen. Look at the changes people have mentioned who come to this masjid. Eight years ago, five years ago, two years ago, they were completely on a different path. They will tell you themselves, if we passed away, we would have no doubt that we'd be going towards hellfire. Within a few years, how Allah Azza wa Jalla has completely switched their destiny. And things have improved in every sense of the word. MashaAllah. There will be times that a whole year would go by, two years, three years would go by, would never read one Quran. They never read the whole Quran their whole life. Maybe they read it when they were a child. When they were, as a, you know, they were children. And now a time has come, mashallah, in this past Ramadan, they've read twice, thrice the entire Quran. Subhanallah. So Allah is the one. Once Allah puts you on the Sirat al-Mustaqim, it's a straight shot. Like, you know, the train. There's from here you need to get to Chicago. You might have a hard time figuring out what train or where to get to the train station. Once you board the train, you don't have to worry. 
You go straight to Union Station. Done. Relax. Sleep. You go on Amtrak. You want to go here from here to California. There's trains that get you right to all the way to San Francisco. As long as you board the right train, you're on Siratul Mustaqim. You got nothing to worry about. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes you and I, picks us up and puts us onto the train tracks towards paradise, and you are on the right lane, Allah's. Then you got nothing to worry about. Does it make sense? MashaAllah, look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for us. In so many ways, our lives are changing. If we're sitting here, it's a very good sign. Our lives are changing because Allah has decided to put us on the right path. Right? But now we have to ask Allah to put our children also on the right path, our spouse on the right path, our parents on the right path, our siblings on the right path. And then, Ya Allah, save us from being asked to leave the train at, at any other stops. Because there are many, many stops that are going to be coming. That's what you call Suratul Mustaqim. Number two statement of Muratani Rahmatullah, he says that. When a person does sin, masiyat, he said when a person commits sin, the barakah of ibadah goes away. There's no more nur left in the good deeds. He said just like a person is eating medication, and then he starts uh, eating harmful, poisonous things. That although the medication has its benefits, but it will not be able to give you that benefit because it's being overrided by the poisonous or harmful things that we are consuming at the same time. He said similarly, when a person does ibadah, but then also sins, then the strength and the nur of the ibadah goes away. He said that is why we notice that we have been performing salah for years. We have been fasting for years. Yet the nur of ibadah has not entered into our hearts. We are where we were 3, 4, 5, 10, 12 years ago. Even though we've been fasting every year, praying every year. Why is that? Because we have not given up on our sins. People like to know nawafil. They want to be particular about nawafil. They want to be particular on wazifas. Can I read how many times after every salah do I have to read this? They like this. They want to give a wazifa, read this durood, read that durood. Everyone's very excited about that. Okay? But then what's more important is, what is it? To leave sin. And when we don't leave that sin, then that wazifa, that zikr, that salawat, etc., etc., unfortunately will not be able to save us. Because it's being overshadowed by the darkness of sin. This is the key thing we have to repent from. Now that Ramadan is gone, we have to make sure that we're not going back to the mistakes and sins we had pre-Ramadan. That's what we have to, that's a sign of a successful Ramadan, that those things are out of our system. We ask Allah to grant us istiqama on the straight path and grant us istiqama from uh, staying away from sins, we ask Allah to grant us the nur of our good deeds. And those who disbelieve in the hereafter are certainly deviating from the path. Nakaba is to deviate from the straight path. Notice here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala focused on only one thing here those who don't believe in the hereafter. He didn't say, indeed, those who don't believe in Allah, don't believe in the Prophet, don't believe in the Quran. They're also all deviant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead focused here on the hereafter. Because belief in the hereafter is one of the main principles after the belief in Allah that will keep a person in the right path. A person may believe in Allah, may believe in the Prophet etc. But if belief in the hereafter is even weak, then the ability to stay strong on deen becomes very difficult. What makes, you be, what makes you careful before you say something? What makes you careful before you extend your hand to greet anyone? What makes you careful before you sign on the dotted line for an investment? What makes you careful before you cash out on an investment? What makes you careful before you, uh, you know, say something to someone or say something about someone to someone else? 
All of these situations, every day that you and I are going through, it's the belief in the hereafter that I'm going to come face to face with Allah. Whoever fears facing Allah, he'll have two paradises. For the one who fears standing in front of Allah and protects his nafs from following, protects his nafs from following the desires, then for him is Jannah and this and that. But what will give you the strength to protect you from falling to your desires is the yaqeen and the conviction that my day in court in front of Allah is coming. And every single thing is going, I'm going to be asked about something. If after we die, we would be left alone to rest. If after we die, we would be left alone and no one would question us, then indeed death would be the easy way out and the luxury that everyone would be looking forward to. John Shruti, I'm done. So much stress. Alhamdulillah, now we're dead at last. <clears throat> but that's not the case. When we pass away, we will be raised up. We'll be asked about every single thing. So belief in the hereafter is that one aspect of our aqidah which will make a person be careful in what he's getting involved in. The Prophet said, The two feet of the servant will not move on the day of judgment until he will be asked about the following things. Where did you spend your life? In one hadith, additionally on top of that, Where did you spend your youthful years? Specifically youthful years. Number two, where did you utilize your body? Your body is, is used up. It's weak. It's tired. It's been, you know, it's not what it was when it was born. It's all, you know, used up. Where did you use up the physical energy of yours? On your wealth. Where did you earn it from? And where did you deposit it? Where did you spend it? And lastly, And the knowledge that you had gained, how much of it did you practice on? The hadith mentions that the servant cannot even move until he answers these questions. Once he answers them, then he will be given permission to go wherever he needs to go, towards Jannah. And then when he's answering, it's not like a, relax, you got the fan there, you got some, mashallah, water bottle here. No. <clears throat> if he looks to the right, he will only look at whatever good deeds he sent, small or large. If he looks to the left, he only will see his sins, small or large. And then, tilqa'a waji in front of him, an-nar, is the fire of hell. That is the scenario, that is the backdrop of this whole interview. Hellfire in front of your eyes, scalding the faces. Allah protect us all. Good deeds and bad deeds to the right and left, and Allah is speaking, and it comes in hadith, Laysa Bainahu wa Bainallahi Tarjuman. Every man is gonna speak to Allah face to face without an intermediator, without an intermediate, without a translator, without a middleman. Tarjuman, translator, no translator. Allah Azza wa Jalla will be addressing each one of us individually that's tough think about it if you think about that how can we then look at haram listen to haram you know say something haram about someone backbite carry tales falsely accuse someone etc etc none of these things will happen unless we uh, will forget that we, Allah Azza wa Jal is is watching us and will ask us on the day of judgment all of these things beloved friends so next time we find ourselves, uh, our character is bad. 
uh, we are uh, not being f careful about uh, the rules of hijab. We're not being careful of our uh, way of mixing in, uh, with the opposite gender. We're not careful in uh, our, mis our use or misuse of our phones, use and misuse of the internet. We're not careful of the use or misuse of our eyes and ears. Ask yourselves, <clears throat> What has deceived you about your honorable Lord? Do you really think you're not going to see Allah? Why is it that I have the audacity and the guts to sin like this? Is it because um, I don't think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me? Right? Those, these people are on sirati lanakibun. These people have veered off the right path. <clears throat> Allah Azza wa then mentions, even if we had mercy on them and removed their affliction, they would still persist in their transgression, wandering blindly. Rahimnahum, if we had mercy upon them. Kashafna, removed. Mabihim, whatever afflictions were upon them. Laladju. Laladju means they would continue to persist. Fi tughyanihim, in their transgressions. Ya'mahun, wandering blindly. Very interesting ayah over here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that there's a reason why difficulties I send to you. Right? Stop. You know, people like to just blame, uh, you know, what they say, blame their taqdeer. They say life is, I guess life uh, decided to, uh, you know, give me lemons. Right? <laughs> what does it mean life? Who's life? Who's Mr. Life? Let's see him. Who's Mr. Life? They say nature. No, this is not what we're supposed to. This is not how a Muslim speaks. You don't say nature. You don't say life. You say who? Allah. That's it. Don't say the business world, the community. No, no one did anything to you, brother. Allah did whatever He's done. Whatever you're going through is from Allah. Stop saying community. Stop saying my, my parents. Stop saying my children. Stop saying my spouse. Stop saying the business community. Stop saying uh, COVID. Stop saying the downtrend and economy. Stop saying the dollar value. Stop saying the value of gold. No, no one can do anything. It's all Allah. And if we, after suffering, we still say <laughs> these type of things, then what's so sad? They say... If you've been afflicted by a musibah, a difficulty, and yet you haven't figured out why you've been afflicted by that difficulty, and the difficulty doesn't wake you up, then the difficulty and the musibah in you is greater than that musibah. If you've been afflicted by something, loss of life, loss of wealth, loss of health, loss of job, loss of family members, loss of honor, all of this happening in your life is going haywire, upside down, inside out, like many of us are going through all these crazy things. Yet you don't have a chance to stop and reflect why this is happening. You still haven't tied it up back to your own actions. Then the, this musibah, although it may seem large, is pales in comparison to the musibah you are suffering within your own soul. That you're lost. That you are, cannot figure out that all of this is happening because Allah has willed it. And why did Allah will it? How come not asking myself this question? How come I'm not asking, why did Allah will this for me to happen? Right on this day, when I needed this, this happened. When, I, when, my, you know, when, when they say it rains, it pours. Why is it pouring right now? Is it because of a sin I've committed? Or is it because, subhanAllah, you know, uh, something else. I remember one brother who Allah had given him basira and understanding. He suffered a big crisis with his family. His wife ran away and in a hajib situation. So he came to me, share, shared with me this story. And it was a very, you know, uh, powerful uh, story that really brought tears to my eyes. Just how everything just, all this happened suddenly, unexpectedly, made no sense, didn't add up how, why, and this would happen. But then subhanAllah, he came to console me. And he's like, I'm sharing this story with you, but you know what? I know why this happened. 
Subhanallah. And he said, I happened because I have been disrespectful to my parents. I've been horrible. I made them cry like no tomorrow for so many years. I made them suffer. And what I'm, what's happening right now is exactly what I deserved. And I'm happy that I'd rather face this in the dunya so I don't have to face it in the akhirah. And he, he's consoling me. He came to share with me the problem and I felt so overwhelmed by his problem. <clears throat> and then he's telling me that, no, I deserve this. this. I know why I'm going through this. I said, subhanAllah, you're very right. And the fact that, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you this ability to understand why this happened is amazing. Another person, he came to me. He said, Ajib, how Allah, if you know, you should reflect. A person came to me crying. I said, what happened? What are you crying about? He said, a fender bender in the parking lot of a masjid and brand new car or whatever or something, you know. Well, you're, mashallah, man, what, what are you crying about? Six, seven hundred dollars. Like literally, asu say, what are you crying with tears? He says, no, the reason I'm not crying because of this six, seven hundred dollar loss. I feel, he says, um, he said, I was coming to the masjid and um, I saw that the people who were, you know, uh, the, the, the security there at the masjid recognized me from before and said, oh, mashallah, you are, you know, used to come to this masjid before, etc. And he moved out and he gave me a special spot. So in my heart, subhanAllah, I felt so special that I'm, I'm just somehow better than the rest of the regulars because I've come after a long time and he still recognized me. I felt inside my heart elated. I felt, frankly speaking, arrogant. And he said, as soon as I parked the car, it was within, uh, I was just looking. I never do that. Foolishly, I started looking at someone else. Hey! And I just reversed into another person who had bought his car that same day. Brother, another brother brought his car the same day he was parked. And he said, literally, I went in for no reason. I was waving at someone and I reversed it into the other brother's car. So now, of course, I have to pay for his car's loss. But he says, I re- I'm, I'm crying not at the loss of eight, nine hundred dollars. I'm crying at the fact that how I got, how Allah called me out. And I said, mashallah, you know what? That's a blessing that you recognize the fact that you had this thought of arrogance coming to you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mashallah, you'd rather take, get taken care of right now than have to face this in the akhirah. This is what we're we talking about, people who are blessed that they can see their own. This is one of the signs of Allah's blessings upon a person. We did this in Kitab al-Zuhd of Abdul Mubarak after Asr, during the Ramadan. That if Allah, it's Allah's blessings upon a person that basara bihi or ayuba nafsihi, that Allah allows you to see your own fault. This is how we need to reflect. Why did this happen? Why did I get a fender bender? Think, what did you just do in the past 30 seconds? What did you do in the past 24 hours? Why did someone say this to me? Think, reflect, and inshallah you'll figure it out. This is what we're speaking about. This is a blessing. This is a, you, you would definitely pay $800 and have to suffer in the akhirah. Here, because the hadith mentions that if a person has an iota, an iota of arrogance, he will not be allowed to smell the fragrance of paradise. Allah doesn't allow arrogant people to enter paradise. They all got to be washed and cleansed in hellfire. There's no space for arrogant people. Not super arrogant, narcissistic people. No. A dot, a mustard seed worth of arrogance is not going to be able to enter Jannah. So this was, this was like a mustard seed. Just a thought came in, I'm better than these people, than the regulars. Allah. Alhamdulillah. That's a great sign. A great sign that Allah allowed you to reflect. This is what we're speaking about here. That... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends thing to us, stop saying the downturn of economy. Stop saying, I've had bad luck. Stop saying, you know, it's, it's the other store across the street that opened up and since then my, my, my business has gone down. These are all deflections. We're supposed to wake up. If your business is not going well, let's wait, let's talk about it. Come speak to Allah. Come sit down in the masjid and reflect. If husband and wife are fighting, stop blaming on someone else. Start thinking that maybe I've done something. This is what we hear about the salaf, that when they would see that their wife would be 
disrespectful to them, the son would be disrespectful to them, or they come out of the house and they sit on the camel or horse, and the horse and the camel starts acting all stubborn, immediately they would start reflecting which sunnah or mustahab act they had left. Which sunnah or mustahab act that they leave out because of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, you're my subordinate and you act with me like this. Guess what? I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine. It was not about leaving, committing a haram or leaving out fard. No, no, no. Which sunnah, which mustahab act, which preferable act, or maybe a sunnah, that did I leave out because of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm going to show you a little bit. Allah says, indeed chaos has spread into the heavens and the earth due to the actions of people. It is our actions which bring about these, these, the, the evil effects that we see across the globe and within our own homes. If we make tawbah and repent, we'll see things happening. So these verses are saying that the, uh, the purpose of these difficulty is that your person should wake up. But some people, they don't wake up. If we were to have mercy and we remove any type of affliction, unfortunately, what would happen? Instead of making shukr and coming to the masjid and say, Allah, alhamdulillah, you remove that, they'll go right back to their old ways. A person, he gets uh, uh, pulled over. A person gets caught, thrown into prison for a day or two. A person gets, uh, you know, or, or gets out on bail after that. A person, you know, is, is a huge scandal, breaks out. His wife and kids find out about what he's involved in. What happens? He comes right for a little bit. But some people, unfortunately, after the worst type of things happen, they get shot, they get sick, they go to, they go to hospital, they go near death scenarios, and they make toba for one week, two weeks. And after that, they go right back to the old ways. How sad. Right? So this is what the Qur'an is speaking about, Allah is speaking about. That some of these individuals, يَعْمَهُونَ Wandering blindly in their intoxication of this dunya, once the difficulties of their life has been removed. And we have already seized them with the torment. But they never humbled themselves to the Lord, nor did they submissively appeal to Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see you on your knees. Allah wants to see me on my knees. Allah wants to see humility. As they say, you know, you value something that you don't have. Yeah? If I, if I have a bottling, water bottling company, and you say, I'm bringing a gift for you, a water bottle, I'm saying, what is this, man? I, this is what I do. This is my business. I have sweets. I don't expect you to bring me sweets because this, this is what I have. I have a business of sweets. Allah Azza wa Jal, He has everything. He has khazanas and treasures, endless treasures of everything. One thing which He doesn't have and which is not befitting for Him to have is what? Humility. Humbleness. He doesn't have that. And it's not befitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have. So, Allah appreciates when someone shows humility and humbleness. And Allah has endless treasures of grand, grandness, grandeur, might, greatness. He's, oh, you're going to try to impress me with your greatness? Allah hates that. How dare you try to impress me with your small little iota of arrogance and greatness? Kibriya and azama is mine. As it comes in Hadith Qudsi, Al-Azamatu wal Kibriya, that greatness and grandeur is my upper garment and my lower garment. And whoever tries to snatch it from me, I shall drag him headlong into hellfire. Greatness and azama is mine. Don't even try to share this with me. You know, you, you have an open relationship with someone. He gives you sweets, he, gives you, he invites you for dinner, this and that. Imagine you go to his house and say, oh, you pull his shirt off of him. What is he going to do to you? Right? This is too much. Now you, Allah is giving you so many things. Enjoy it. But you say, no, Ya Allah, I'm going to yank your greatness off of you. A'udhu Billahi Rajim. Allah says, no, don't you dare ever try that. If you try to do that, I'm going I'm to drag you headlong into hellfire. So this is the thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want to see from any one of us is arrogance. Acting not only arrogance against Allah, but arrogant against His creation. Yeah. Arrogant, we, cannot, we should not show arrogance against a turtle, a monkey, 
uh, an insect, a spider. Nothing. These are all creations of Allah who are doing tasbih of Allah. And guess what? More than likely, most of these animals, billions and trillions of them, are not going to Jahannam. Almost, almost definitely they're not going to Jahannam. Right? If they did it something wrong which they shouldn't, what's going to happen? They're going to give a ch- the, the one that they oppress will be given a chance to avenge themselves. And then kunu turaba, become soil and mud and dirt. That's it. They're not going to Jahannam. But you and I, every single one of us, the one who's speaking, the one who's listening, all of us, it is very possible, Allah forbid, before we leave this world, something happens to us and we lose our iman and we go for hellfire too. Not just for a little bit, for eternity. So how can we even look down upon an animal, an insect of this world? Think about that. We should not have even arrogance when it comes to the, the smallest of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's many interesting stories about this for, for leave it for another day. But the fact that showing arrogance even to a pig, yes, haram, you're not supposed to eat that, but you're not allowed to act arrogant in front of any animal. In front of any animal. Because all of these are doing tasbih to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in some way or the other. And they're not going to be going to hellfire. And we all have a possibility, Allah forbid, that we may end up in Jahannam. How do we know? If we die with Iman, then we are superior to these animals. And if we don't die with Iman, then definitely all of these animals are superior to, to us. So do not show arrogance to, against Allah, nor to any of His creation. What Allah Azza wa says, I seized them already with a torment, but the desired result unfortunately did not happen. What is the desired result? Istikana. Istikana means humbling. You're supposed to show humility, but that didn't happen. And nor did they submissively appeal to him. Beloved brothers, in America, they teach us about being strong. They teach us about self-confidence. They teach us about, you know, when you, when you, when you're, when you're, when you fall down, just stand up in the American way. Um, march on. Okay, it's good. We're supposed to have himma. Himma. We're supposed to be people of, 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 of resolute intentions, a firm resolve. However, make sure that himma doesn't turn out to be arrogance in front of Allah. When a person gets in the sick, no, I'll be fine. No, it's, it's completely okay to cry when you're sick. Ya Allah, I can't believe I was running around. I was playing football and here I am, can't get out of my bed. One of the brothers, subhanAllah, he was sharing with me in uh, last day of, or on Eid day. He had some small injury and he said, six days I'm on my bed. I could not wake up. You know, I could not get out of bed. And he said, that's when I sat there and realized what is a blessing to be able to walk around, right? What is a blessing to be able to just use a bathroom as you wish, eat whatever you wish, cook whatever you wish, drive around as you wish. So when you're in that state, be humble. Cry. Shed a tear or two or more. And say, Ya Allah, forgive me for, for all the moments I've acted arrogantly in the past. And Ya Allah, allow me to never forget this humility. When I was in Pakistan, I remember in Rivind, in the markaz there, I was sitting in, in, in the markaz of Dawa there in Rivind, and there was, a, the, uh, there was a, an Arab, there was many, many thousands of Arabs there. So one of the Arabs, I started having a conversation with him, and he was a judge. He was a Qadi from UAE, okay, from the Emirat, in one of the states there. He was a judge. He told me this story himself. He said, brother, he came out in Dawa, Khuruj, to Pakistan. And he told me one story which stuck with me. It's to, over 25, 23 years ago he shared this story with me. He said, when I was a judge, you know what I used to think people like you, Indian, Pakistanis, brown color people, you guys were for me, dirt. He said, to the extent that if, one of, one, if I had to be served tea, coffee, water, I would never accept it from an Indo-Pak person. Even if you would bring a cup to me, I will not drink it from his. How dare a dirty person, an Indo-Pak, Bangladeshi, Nepali, can dare bring a cup of tea for me. He said, that was a level of arrogance I had that I could not accept it. Never drink from the hands of an of a, of a, of a Indo-Pak person. 
Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought him through the effort of da'wah and tabliq, mashallah. Somehow or another, he is spending now 40 days or 4 months in Pakistan. Now in his jamaat, in his trip, what happened? He got, he got hurt. And now because he got hurt, he had to pray sitting on the ground. So he's telling me this story in Rivand. He said, I am that person who dare not even touch a cup from a desi person. And now every single salah, I'm sitting on the floor praying. And guess who's next to me? Pakistanis on both sides. I'm at the feet of the Indian Pakistanis. Subhanallah. And he learned a lesson. But look at most people won't even learn this till then. Most people, if the arrogant people say, oh, I'm not going to have an Indo-Pakistani doctor treat me. Because you're all too lowly. That's what an arrogant person will say. Like, like Abu Jahl. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. Abu, even till the last moment when he was killed, in, you know, what happened? He says, when you're... When you Astaghfirullah. He says, how, is, how are you as a farmer? I want a noble person to kill me. I don't want to have a farmer. Come on, man. How can I die at the hands of a farmer? And then after that, he said, you want to decapitate me? Please decapitate me from, from the middle of the chest. Not from, so at least my dead body and my neck can be higher than the rest of the dead bodies. SubhanAllah. Yeah, this is what you call arrogance, man, to this degree. That I, I don't want to de- be decapitated like the rest because then my neck will not be longer than the rest. I want to decapitate, I want, to, I want you to slice me off half, halfway through the chest so that my dead body is longer, taller than the other ones. SubhanAllah. So my point is when we go through these type of difficulties, one, it should create humility and humbleness within us. Let's hope that we don't have to go through difficulty to learn this lesson. And that inshallah, while enjoying the best of health, while enjoying the best of wealth, while enjoying prosperity, if we become humble, how nice, right? That we don't have to go through all of these sufferings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but as soon as you open for them a gate of severe punishment, they will be utterly desperate. Meaning, they've already been tested through adab, Adabs of this dunya, but they're not getting the lesson. They're blaming economic downturn. Huh? They're blaming the dollar being devalued. They're blaming oil prices going up or down. They're blaming certain segment of the market being affected. They don't get it. It happened from Allah. Stop talking about markets. Stop talking about your enemies. Stop talking about your business partner who stabbed you in the back and ran away with your money. No, no, no. This all happened with Allah. That's what adab is. Difficulties happening, you're supposed to wake up. But I guess if you don't wake up, then guess what? The ultimate one's going to happen. As soon as you open for them a gate of severe punishment, this is going to be death. When death comes and they start seeing things which they had never thought they would see, then they will be utterly desperate. And they will be saying, Ya Allah, please send me back. Allow me to go back. But that will be too late. Allah Jalla Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in hadith Whatever, whatever whenever you trip and fall, whenever you trip and fall, whenever you get hurt by a thorn, whenever you get a hit, anyhow, all of this happens because of your own sins. Then what Allah forgives is far more. Far greater. You don't get punished for every single thing you actually do. You're getting punished or, 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 or being tested or getting punished for maybe 5%, 10%. But what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just writes off is much, much greater. As mentions in the 25th juz, Allah azza wa jal mentions, 
Whatever affliction you go through, it's because of your own actions. And he forgives most of the things. Kathir, lots of things. Right? Let's look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in various places about how if we do our work, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of us. Allah azawal says, if you were to follow the Torah Injil, he's speaking to the obviously the book, people of the previous scripture. If you were to establish the Torah Injil, and whatever was revealed to them from their Lord, if they did that, they would enjoy food from above them, and below them. Allah would just give them abundance of sustenance from above and below if you followed your scripture. If the people of the village آمنوا, were to believe وَاتَّقَوْا and to have fear of Allah لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ They've opened up upon themselves. Allah says, we, I would have opened upon you barakat, the doors of blessing from the heavens and the earth. And Allah says, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحٍ مِّنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى Whoever does a good deed, be it male or female, وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ As long as they are a believer, we will indeed give them a beautiful life. Beautiful life will come through good deeds, be it male or female, and iman. And there are many other examples like this. Where Allah says, What will Allah do by punishing you? As long as you have faith and you are uh, grateful. As long as you have grateful to Allah and you have faith, I don't mind, I don't care. How does Allah become greater by punishing us? Let's ask ourselves. Allah doesn't enjoy punishing you and I. So when you're going through a difficulty, let this be a wake-up call. I'm saying this again and again because I notice that people come and they're complaining, they're sad stories. Shaykh, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. We understand, I'm also going through issues, you're also going through issues. But the way forward is to come towards the masjid, to make tawbah. But no, you don't want to, tawbah, just say make dua. No, how is that going to happen? All of these are signs from Allah. Wake up, wake up. Indeed, we will make them taste the smaller punishment, not the larger punishment, so that they may return back to their Lord. Larger punishment is death and what awaits a person in the hereafter, after which there is no chance of repenting. Smaller punishments is everything else happening in the world. Husbands and wives not getting along, children becoming disobedient, parents becoming difficult to deal with, you know, business going downhill, uh, lawsuits, you know, health going downhill, all of these things, and the list is never ending, are smaller adab, smaller wake-up calls. So we need to ask Allah Azza wa to, first of all, not test us. And then we need, we need, puts us to test, to allow us to at least recognize that we're being tested. And to quickly do a U-turn. To quickly, you know, repent. As, there's a beautiful saying, لا يخافن العبد إلا ذنبه. I think this is a statement of Ali radiallahu anhu. لا يخافن العبد إلا ذنبه ولا يرجون إلا ربه. A person, a servant should never fear anything. He's got nothing to fear except for his own sin. And a person's got nothing to, to have hope in except for his own Lord. If you've got something to fear, it's your, the evil effects of your sins. If you want to have hope in someone, have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine we started reading our life based on this. How, what a beautiful yani, turnaround you and I can enjoy. So this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting us through difficulties for us to turn around. Uh, where is this? 
He is the one who's created you. What did He create it for you? A sama, hearing. Walabsara, sight. Walafida, an intellect. Yet you hardly give any thanks. Meaning, the purpose of giving you those things which you can um, sense and those things which you can imagine and think. Because sama and basar is related to things that you are able to sense, see, and hear. But afida fuad is to do with the intellect, those things which you can think out and imagine. All of these faculties Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us for what? For us to recognize Him. The greatest knowledge is the ma'rifah of Allah. The greatest knowledge is the ma'rifah of Allah, knowing Allah. When you say, my son, my daughter, I've given you a PhD education, MD, a JD education, that's great. You paid for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. But let me ask yourself, you ask, you, I mean, let me ask myself, you ask yourself, did you give your son and daughter the ultimate education? And what is the ultimate education? Did you introduce Allah to them? Do they know? Do they recognize Allah or not? When you, when you go for marriage, if your daughter-in-law knows Allah, you're in good shape. If your son-in-law knows Allah, you're in good shape. Your husband and future husband, future wife knows Allah, you're in good shape. But if they have every degree under the sun, but they don't know Allah, they're the biggest jahil, ignorant people out there. And you're not going to be able to live with jahil for too long. It's going to end up in, in big problems. Focus on this. The most important knowledge we give to ourselves and to our children is the knowledge of and the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know very well that there's none worthy of worship but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the most important knowledge. قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ Very few of you are grateful. وَهُوَ الَّذِي ذَرَأَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ He is the one. ذَرَأَ means to spread you out. He is the one who has dispersed you in the earth. All over. And you will all be gathered in front of him. He is the one who gives you life and causes death. And to him belongs the alternation of the day and the night. Will you not then understand? Meaning, use your eyes and ears not to listen to haram and look at haram. Use your eyes and ears to reflect on Allah's creation. Reflect on Allah's creation and then bow down in front of Allah and you say, Subhanak. Oh Allah, glory be to you. Ma khalaqta You haven't created all of this in vain. Faqina adab nar Protect us, Ya Allah, from the punishment of hellfire. This is what Allah wants us to do with the, with what the creation He's given us. And we will, inshaAllah, um, yes, these two last two ayats will do. Balqalu mithla ma qal al-awwalun. But they just say what their predecessors said. Unfortunately, they're not waking up. They're saying what the predecessor said. The predecessor said something very foolish. They said one answer. They said, once we are dead, turaba, and we are reduced to, turaban means dust, ilaman means bones. Will we be really resurrected? Yes, you will. But then they would say, no, it doesn't make sense. There's many things that you don't see. Just like a child, would you tell a fetus that because you can't see the world, the world doesn't exist? Similarly, just because you cannot see barzakh in the life of the hereafter, how does that make you capable of saying that it doesn't exist? Just because your, your ignorance of something, or not knowing of something, or not comprehending something, not fully seeing something, does not negate its existence. I cannot see what's outside behind this wall. But does it mean that there's nothing out there? Similarly, what happens after death, if you and I don't know about it, does not mean that it doesn't exist, especially when you have prophets who have come and given us the, the, the most intricate details of qabr and what happens after death. And we have the book of Allah, the greatest miracle that is, that, that is going to live forever. 
Uh, it is the miracle that, lasts, that outlasts all other miracles. And it gives us such a deep description of what the Day of Judgment will be and what death will be. We ask Allah to make us amongst those people who wake up to our test, who do not have to be tested in order to wake up. And whenever Allah does test us, He allows us to be from amongst those people uh, who are uh, reflecting on why things are going downhill and make that difficulty to become a means of, inshallah, rejuvenating our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so we have questions, inshallah, we'll take. Uh, today, uh, the slido.com 272-7514 272-514 If you want to ask a question, inshallah, we have 15 minutes of Isha We'll do some dhikr and dua after we answer some questions 272-7514 at slido.com Or you can scan the QR code Additionally, please make a note Please make a note, all those who are listening online And those who are here in person The Changing Tides of Right and Wrong is our annual retreat Very, very important topic Extremely pertinent to the era we're living in Memorial Day weekend Memorial Day weekend, I request everyone to immediately make, make your plans. Um, and those of you who are, list, who are listening from out of state, I've just made sure we have additional rooms available at the Fairfield Inn. So you, it's about, mashallah, like $60, $70 less per night if you book it through the Dar es Salaam website. Normal rate's like 165 or something like that. You book it through the Dar es Salaam rate, it's like 89 or something. So uh, if you have, if they're going to run out, and 100% they're going to run out. So if you haven't already booked your hotel and you're coming from out of state, go to the, go to the Dar es Salaam website, use the link provided there. Um, and if you have any problems, email us. And inshallah, you can use that to book your uh, weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Um, uh, at, uh, at, uh, at Dar es Salaam and your accommodations over there, inshallah. These are the topics that we'll be covering from masculinity, redefining it to the power of haya, uh, to pornography, marriage versus career, call to chastity, um, uh, recreational drug use, uh, dynamics of gender interaction, modern entertainment, dark side of social media, uh, bridging the divide between parents and children, importance of celebrating our own heritage, Power, the necessity of, of engaging uh, towards, in, in inviting towards good, forbidding from evil. Uh, it's a whole weekend long of topics, and scholars are coming uh, from here and from other parts of the country as well. So make sure you spread the word, and make sure you're here for the entire program, especially the youth here. I would encourage you to plan to sleep in the masjid. The masjid will be open for Ertikaf, so plan to sleep and benefit fully from the masjid. We'll have parallel sisters programs as well, parallel children's programs as well, inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala. Okay. Are there any questions here? Are there any questions on that? Are there? Okay. Okay, um, let me make it easy for us. Uh, how do I know whether a blessing is a source of istidraj for me or a blessing? How do I know whether a blessing is a source of istidraj or for me an actual blessing? Istidraj being like a punishment. So, um, uh, the the way you know is that is that is that blessing bringing you closer to Allah or not? If the blessing blessing is bringing you closer to Allah, then that's not istidraj. That is inshallah blessing of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And and if if it if if that blessing makes us ungrateful to Allah, then yes, that's istidraj.
rubber type of bracelet. Uh, it's not, if it's not used as jewelry and you need it for, as men, you need it for, like, say, entering somewhere or, you know, one of those things, then that's fine. It's not, it's not used for zina and beauty and it's not jewelry, then it's fine. Um, what are the examples of arrogance in daily life? Well, any arrogance is when you deny the truth. Someone says you're wrong, you know you're wrong, and then you still say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right. So, denying the truth. And to look down upon people, to regard people inferior. That's what arrogance is. Sisters, qada fast, should they make first before they do shawwal fast? It doesn't have to be. They could do either or, but qada, of course, is more important, so you should take care of that. What to do if one has doubts of the life of qabr or hereafter? Um, we'll study the Quran, you know, figure out where are these doubts coming from. Speak to a scholar, explain why are you getting these doubts. Sometimes it's just waswasa. You are just a normal person who came for Isha, you came to a dars, and all of a sudden something's telling you, oh, maybe qabr doesn't exist. Well, then that's just pure shaitan. There's that, it didn't even come from some, some, you know, lecture you heard or a Islamophobe's book that you read that's causing that confusion. That's just pure shaitan. You're sitting in the masjid and these thoughts and doubts are coming to you. Read A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Read Waqur Rabbi A'udhu Bika Bin Hamazati Shayatin Wa'udhu Bika Rabbi Hadroon, which is a beautiful ayat that are going to come probably next week. It's in the same surah, right? Seeking protection of Allah well from the accursed shaitan. So read those du'as if you're feeling this waswasa. But then if you feel that no, it came from a specific book you read, then go to a scholar and, and discuss this issue. How should a person attend university fish out of water? Correct. So a person attend university, you, you gotta go like, uh, try, like I said before, try to, um, I, I, we did a candlelight conversation on, on university life. Uh, it's uploaded, myself and Mulana Saad Hussein did it. Uh, so you can listen to it. We talked about MSA, we talked about university life and loads of things in there. Inshallah, hopefully it'll be insightful to all of you. But um, the gist of that is, if a person has to do something, you must do it, then you do it only as necessary, for, as, for the duration that it's necessary. You got to go into a burning house to pull someone out from there. You don't go in there for vacation. You don't go in there to just relax. You go in and out. So university environment, a person takes as many classes as possible online. And if a person has to take it on site, you pile them all up on one day. Try to reduce the amount of exposure you're getting at university. Put them all on a Wednesday or a Monday, right? Sit down with a counselor and figure out how can you limit the amount of days you actually spend on campus. And so there are people who actually take all their classes on one day. And the rest of the days, mashallah, they're doing part-time alim program or do some more working in their dad's business. You know, so there's so many different things we can do. Um, and so limit the time you're out there. And then when you're there, make sure you're in the good company. You're in the state of dhikr. You do your wudu. Stay in the state of wudu. Do your adhkar. Um, pray your salah with jama'ah and inshallah listening to that uh, workshop or rather that conversation that we had with uh, inshallah hopefully will give you even um, some more ideas uh, how do you know if you have problems with, your ch- with kids is it a sin or test you're doing all the right things well um, you, you, as long as Allahu Akbar may Allah make it easy for all of us and may Allah not test us through our children you know, it's true, a person may be tested, it, uh, it, might not be, it may not be, if you think you're doing all the right things, and yet your child is being a source of test for you, then it just might be a means of elevating your status. What I would suggest is you go make mashwara, ask a scholar, again, this is how I treat my child, these are the things I've done. Many times we have done things that are actually wrong or are still wrong, but we're thinking, because we don't have a deeper understanding of these things, we're thinking, it must be right, because I'm the parent, it probably is right, and it might actually be very not right, it might be very wrong. So consult a scholar on, on just like what specifically the issues are with your child and what have you been doing and why it's not working. Um, mother and father's dua, of course, is very, very powerful. Inshallah, a lot of questions here.
Uh, is there a schedule? Yeah, the schedule for the retreat will be shared, inshallah. For now, plan to be there the entire time, inshallah. We'll, it'll, that'll be released much closer to the event. Um, we, we'll, will we get another opportunity to benefit from a talk similar to the ones in Ramadan after Wither, like the gems of Quran, Mufti bin Haj? Yes, inshallah. On Monday nights, we are thinking if you have any ideas how you want to benefit and how you want to uh, um, have what type of programs, we, Mufti bin Haj usually has a Monday night dars, but you know, many people unfortunately do not attend the way we would like to. So we are trying to restructure that. If you have any ideas, please send it to the office uh, or, or info at dsfnd.org or text message the masjid number. We'd love to hear from all of you who are sitting here as well as those who are not here, share some advice how, how we can um, you know, structure, restructure our programs now that Ramadan has ended for allowing maximum benefit for the people. Um, there are Sufi Muslims who pray to pious Muslims. SubhanAllah. Okay. Um, okay. Can, the books that we're reading after Asr, we are doing that in Team Fajr. So you can join us for Team Fajr, listen to it online. We've covered it this week as well. Is it a good idea to ask Allah to remove blessings from my life if I think if they are a source of istidraj? No, no, absolutely not. You should not do that. Ask Allah SWT to grant you the ability to thank Him for, uh, for, for the blessings that you have. Okay, I wasn't able to get to all of them. Please ask again next week, inshallah, we'll try to get to, get to them tomorrow or next week. One very important uh, uh, program I want to share with you is um, this Friday, this Thursday night, we have a guest scholar. Alhamdulillah, it's an honor for us to have him here, coming from South Africa, Mulana Musa Kaji, the older brother of Mulana Ridwan Kaji. Um, and this is the first time one of the teachers of Darlum Zakiri or South Africa or, uh, or Azadville Zakiri has come here, and at least since I graduated, I don't remember anyone coming here. So Alhamdulillah, it's an honor that he's, he's, he's got the visa and he's coming here to this Thursday, and he will be speaking at Darussalam, a few programs, Friday, Thursday after Salat al-Maghrib, with our weekly Salawat program, he'll be speaking on the Seerah, Thursday after Salat al-Maghrib, He'll, he'll be speaking, inshallah, a small short khatira Friday morning after Fajr, short few minutes. He'll give, be giving the 1 p.m. Jum'ah over here. Uh, and then he will do the main uh, Saturday morning team Fajr talk. And then he will have a session from Asr till Isha on Saturday. Asr till Isha on Saturday. Plus he will be doing sessions for scholars uh, and our own students throughout the day. But this is, this is for the community. Asr till Isha on Saturday, team Fajr on Saturday. Juma at 1 p.m. A uh, short reminder after Fajr on Friday. And uh, also a short talk on Sira uh, before the Salawat program on Thursday. So this is open to all of you, families, online, on site. Please make sure we attend as much as possible, inshallah, and benefit from uh, Maulana Musa Kaji's talks. He's a well-known, um, one of the senior teachers at Zadville. He's authored many, many books. MashaAllah, God-fearing, muttaqi person, uh, as, we, as we know. We ask Allah to increase uh, in his piety and his knowledge and allow all of us to benefit from him. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 
محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد 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 صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم استغفر اللہ استغفر اللہ استغفر اللہ